This is Condopedia. Here, we talk about everything related to condo law in Ontario, with hopefully some humor mixed in. Well, good afternoon, everybody. I am delighted to welcome everybody to today's Condo Crunch. I'd love to say it's a gorgeous spring day for our Condo Crunch, but I would be lying. Uh, freezing rain, everybody, so it's a nice place to be, sitting quietly and cozy in our virtual environment enjoying today's condo crunch today we're talking everything about evs we hopefully enjoyed the title ev everything about evs so just a quick reminder on our condo crunches we try and get as much information as possible into 30 to 45 minutes so we don't take questions during our condo crunch sessions we just try and impart information we do have our q a session coming up very soon now we're almost there just a couple months to go in june and december we do our q a's so if you have any further questions keep them on hand write them down and submit them for our upcoming q a in june so for today, though, we're going to go ahead and focus on EV charging, everything you need to know about EVs. We have some fantastic speakers today, lots of hands-on experience with preparing EV agreements, EV bylaws, EV opinions, and everything of the sort. And we're going to start off with Cheryl today. Cheryl is going to do our general introduction and just explain to us why it's so important to be thinking about these things and just some key elements as we start off our session today. Cheryl, over to you. Thanks, Nancy. So electric vehicle charging stations or EV charging stations in multi-residential buildings and communities have been making the headlines recently as more and more owners look to power up their vehicles. There was a recent news article about a couple that lived in a cooperative high-rise tower in Windsor who faced some opposition and delays related to the installation of an EV charging station at their parking spot. There have also been articles about difficulties in installing chargers in condominiums as well. A couple of the takeaways that I had from the articles are that planning ahead as it relates to EV chargers is really important and communication is key. So on the planning side, condominiums are a little bit ahead of the curve with regulations in place that govern the installation of EV chargers and put a process in place for requests by owners or the installation of chargers by condominium corporations. My colleagues are going to discuss the regulations in further detail, but one note that I wanted to add is to be aware that even with the regulations, the process for installing EV chargers in a condominium corporation whether it be by the owners or by the condominium corporation itself, can be time-consuming. There are many factors to be considered, as will be discussed today, so it's important to start considering this issue early on. Even if your condominium has not received any requests, the condo should turn its mind to the idea, hopefully starting now. EV chargers are going to continue to be a popular topic in condominium and co-tenancy settings, especially since the government, the federal government in December put forward regulations requiring that all new passenger vehicles and light trucks sold in Canada after 2035 be electric zero emission vehicles. The rules will be phased in gradually, and this starts with a 20% requirement in 2026. So the government is motivated to get these zero emission vehicles out on the roads. And so as part of these mandates, we could see more funding support for electric vehicles, which could also increase their popularity. If the deadline holds for 20 to 35, that means all condos will need to be considering 
what this means for their condominium and their condominium's infrastructure. A benefit of thinking about the need for EV chargers now before the condo board gets a number of requests is that you can work through the options and the cost benefit of the different alternatives. You can also look into subsidies that might be available. In preparing for this presentation, we looked at options available for condominium corporations that might wish to install EV chargers. It's important to note that subsidies can change frequently depending on what the government is offering at any given time and depending on the amount of funding they put towards certain subsidies. So while a subsidy might last until 2027, if the funding runs out before then, that subsidy will no longer be available. So looking at these options early is helpful. So in looking at the current offerings for Ontario, there's not a lot right now relating to the cost of installing the chargers. Vehicles and the purchase of the vehicles themselves do have subsidies as well. However, we're looking at the installation of chargers for the purposes of this call. So the key subsidy that I did find that was available is a program called ZVIP, which is the Zero Emission Vehicle Infrastructure Program. This is in place until 2027. It's a program that supports the electric vehicle charging infrastructure deployment in multi-unit residential buildings. So this is parking spaces of that are available for where people live. For the purpose of this program to be designated as a multi-unit residential building to qualify for this support, the building must have a common entrance and include a minimum of three stories or a footprint greater than 600 meters squared. So condominiums that do meet this requirement could get a rebate of up to 50% of the total project costs subject to a maximum depending on the type of chargers installed. Um, after I finish speaking, I will put a link to this subsidy in the chat just so that everyone has it at their fingertips. Now, I do realize that this won't help all condominiums. They don't won't all meet that test of having the common entrance or the necessary size requirement. Hopefully, as the government moves to reduce emissions, more funding will become available. Also, I did note that yesterday during the CCI Eastern Ontario presentation, there were various presenters there from the City of Ottawa. One of the presenters discussed the City of Ottawa's goals to reduce greenhouse gas emissions. During her presentation, she did mention that condominium corporations considering replacement of major mechanical equipment that's coming to the end of its life or considering the installation of EV chargers could reach out to the city to see what supports might be available. So that's something to consider for condominiums that are in the Ottawa area. There are many options available for condos to consider when looking at chargers and costs, and also technology is improving year over year. There's technology that ranges from a simple plug-in meter reader up to a full-on charging station. So there's lots for condominium corporations to consider and what options might be best for your community. So that relates to the planning side from the articles. I also wanted to touch briefly on communication. So in reading the articles, communication is so, well, in general, communication is so important in condominium corporations and condominium communities. So that's true as it comes to this issue as well. When reading the articles surrounding EV chargers, 
communication, it became clear that communication could help resolve some of the issues. So after looking, if you're looking at it for your condominium community, after considering the options for the condominium and determining what route your condominium plans to take respecting the installation of chargers, whether it be to deal with the requests from the owners individually or whether the condo is going to look at installing EV chargers on their end, just make sure that you're communicating with owners about which path the condominium is taking so that owners that are looking at electric vehicles can be prepared and plan ahead for the process that they will need to follow once they go and purchase the vehicle. All right, Nancy, that's all for me. Fabulous, Cheryl. Thank you so much. And as Cheryl was saying, keep a careful watch on federal, provincial, and potentially municipal subsidies that may be coming available. So we know there have been NRCAN grants. Cheryl's going to put a link to another subsidy that's open right now because there are specific deadlines for applying for these various subsidies. And if you're in the market or looking at moving forward on these items, you want to make sure that you get in on time for any of these subsidies that might be available. So lots of subsidy options, toing and froing coming up and then going away, and then also changes in technology. So make sure that, again, if you are thinking of uh, installing now and you have a research from three or four years ago, update that research before you go ahead with any projects to make sure that there's not new technology that you should be considering as well. Lots to think about. Thank you, Cheryl. Okay, our next speaker, we're going to invite Nicole to go ahead and join us on screen here. Nicole is going to start us off from the perspective of, okay, you're the board of directors, you want to think about installing something for your condo. So this is when the condominium corporation board of directors is thinking of doing the installation. Oh, no, I got that backwards, didn't I, Nicole? Yeah, oh, my goodness. A little. Okay. I'm just doing an advertisement for Emily's presentation, which is coming up after Nicole. Nicole is actually going to focus on when the owner wants to make the request to do the install. So folks, you'll see we've broken it up into two sections, owner requests and then condo installation. So Nicole, take it away on the owner requests. Perfect. Thanks so much, Nancy. And hello to everybody. As Nancy said, I am going to go over the process when an owner wants to follow procedures under the Condominium Act and regulations to install an EV charging station. Uh, my colleague Emily will be covering uh, what the corporation does on their end. There is a regulation under the Condominium Act, Ontario Regulation 4801, which describes the process that an owner must follow to make an application to their condominium corporation to install an EV charger. This regulation makes EV charging systems exempt from Section 98 of the Condominium Act, which generally governs modifications to the common elements by owners. This means that the process set out in that section, requiring board approval in a Section 98 agreement to be registered on title, does not apply. Instead, installations are carried out in accordance with this regulation, Regulation 4801. So what does the regulation require? As a first step, if an owner wishes to install an EV charging station, the owner must submit an application to the condominium corporation through an acceptable method of delivery as described in the regulation. The regulation sets out what information the application must include. The application must be in writing and must A, identify the owner submitting the application and the owner's address for service, B, be signed by the owner, and C, include drawings, specifications, or information with respect to the proposed installation or its location that is reasonably relevant to a report or opinion that the condominium corporation could obtain in relation to the installation. The condominium authority has template forms for this application process available on their website. 
These template forms may be helpful to review if you're considering an application or if you're dealing with an owner who is wondering about the process. If an owner requires information about or, or authorization from the condominium corporation that is reasonably necessary to complete the application, the owner can submit a request for the information in writing to the condominium corporation. And then the condominium corporation is required to provide that information as soon as is reasonably possible. Once an owner submits an application, if the application is deficient in some way, so it doesn't meet the requirements of the regulation, then the condominium must respond to the application in writing as soon as reasonably possible, explaining why the application is deficient. If the application does satisfy the requirements of the regulation, the corporation must review and respond to the application in writing within 60 days, unless another time period is agreed between the owner and the corporation in writing. This is an important deadline because if the corporation fails to review and respond to the request within 60 days, the corporation is deemed to have accepted or approved the application. So again, be sure to be mindful of this deadline. For the corporation's response, there are three options. Number one, refuse the proposed installation based on expert advice as set out in the regulation. Number two, require the proposed installation to be carried out in a different manner or location or number three, approve the proposed installation. And I'm gonna go over each of these options. Beginning with potential grounds for refusal, a condominium corporation can reject an application for the reasons set out in the regulation. In particular, the corporation must have an expert report or opinion that clearly states that the proposed installation would be A, contrary to another act or regulation, for example, the electrical safety code, or B, it will adversely affect the structural integrity of the property or assets of the corporation, or C, it will pose a serious risk to the health and safety of an individual or of potential damage to the property or assets of the corporation. If the condominium corporation rejects an application on any of these grounds, a copy of the expert report or opinion needs to be included with the response provided to the owner except to the extent that the report contains information that an owner would not be entitled to under section 55 sub 4 of the act. Turning to the option of requiring a change to the proposed installation, the corporation may require that the installation be carried out in a different way or in a different location as long as the alternative does not cause the owner to incur unreasonable additional costs and if the alternative is necessary so that a the installation is not seen as causing a material reduction or elimination of the use and enjoyment of the property by other owners, or B, so that the installation is not contrary to anything in the governing documents of the corporation or in a mutual use agreement. If none of those grounds exist, that is, there's no expert evidence that the application be, should be refused, and there's no reason to require a change to what the owner has proposed, then the corporation must approve the proposed installation. Once an application is approved, then the owner is required to enter an agreement with the corporation within 90 days or other time period agreed to with the corporation in writing, and the agreement must be registered on title as soon as reasonably possible. This agreement will deal with responsibility for all related costs and other matters such as required upkeep, insurance, and termination of the charging station. In terms of costs, Generally speaking, the owner is responsible for the costs incurred to install the charging system, as well as for the use of the system. 
the condominium corporation, again, generally speaking, will be responsible to cover the cost of investigating the infrastructure or capacity limits of your building or community. Costs in relation to these systems and required upgrades can get complicated. Jim will be discussing some additional considerations later in this presentation. Anyway, the bottom line is that for each EV charging station installed by an owner, there must be a registered agreement between the condominium corporation and the owner. These agreements are very similar to Section 98 agreements, which apply to common element modification. But there are normally a few different terms in these EV charger agreements, including terms about any infrastructure upgrades and terms about electricity costs for the EV charging system. In many cases, we find that a bylaw is an excellent way to regulate the required agreements with owners. Implementing a bylaw on, on EV chargers will also be discussed later in this presentation. So again, in a nutshell, the procedure set out in Regulation 4801 requires an owner to apply in writing to the condominium corporation to install an EV charging system. Once a condominium corporation receives a valid application, it has 60 days to respond and three options for its response. If the application is approved, the owner must enter an agreement with the corporation that is ultimately registered on title. Given the tight deadline to review and respond these application, I echo Cheryl's comments that it's likely a good idea for condominium corporations to proactively hire an expert to investigate issues like capacity so that you have the benefit of additional time to consider your options. And that's all for me, Nancy. Thanks, back to you. Fantastic, Nicole. Thank you so much. And I think one of the important considerations that we need to think about uh, from Nicole's session right at the start is that we're out of Section 98 and we're into Regulation 48. I'm pretty sure it's Section 24. I'd have to go back and refresh my memory. But so the, while the procedures are similar, there's some unique aspects in that the corporation has a very limited ability to refuse the change, whereas Section 98, there's far more discretion on a condominium corporation in relation to modifications. Uh, in this case, again, make sure you're looking at Regulation 48, and I think it's uh, Section 24. Nicole, you can correct me if I've got that section wrong. All right, folks, we're going to go now to the next step or the next alternative. And owners aren't going to install it this time. The condominium corporation is thinking of doing the installation. So, Emily, did you want to walk us through some of the key aspects to be thinking on that? Perfect. Thank you, Nancy. So, as Nancy mentioned, I will be going over the procedures and considerations for condominium boards when the corporation itself is interested in installing an EV charging station at its own expense. This will oftentimes involve the installation of one or more communal EV charging stations. The regulations, which has been mentioned, Regulation 4801 under the Condominium Act, provide a condominium board the right to install an electric vehicle charging station at the condominium's expense, and owners won't have the opportunity to requisition a meeting to consider the installation where the following two conditions are met. First, the board has determined that the estimated cost of the installation, excluding post-installation or operating costs, but could include basic infrastructure upgrades to allow for the installation, will not be greater than 10% of the condominium's annual budget. And two, in the reasonable opinion of the board, the owners would not regard the installation as causing a material reduction or elimination of their use or enjoyment of the condominium property. If these two conditions are met, the board could provide notice to the owners, including the details of the above two conditions I mentioned, and then the board could proceed with the installation 60 days following providing that notice to the owners, without the need to offer an opportunity for owners to requisition a meeting on the issue. 
The notice to the owners could include details such as a statement of the estimated costs for the EV charger installation, how the corporation intends to cover those costs, and a statement confirming that the board does not regard the installation as causing a material reduction or elimination of their use or enjoyment of the owner's use or, or enjoyment of the condo property. However, if either of the two conditions I previously mentioned are not satisfied, in other words, either the estimated cost of the EV charger installation is greater than 10% of the condo's annual budget, or if in the reasonable opinion of the board, the owners would consider the installation as causing a material reduction or elimination of their use or enjoyment of the condominium property, then the owners must have an opportunity to requisition a meeting to challenge the board's proposal for the installation of an EV charger. And in cases where owners will be given this opportunity to requisition such a meeting, condominium corporations will also need to be sure to update the wording at paragraph 25 of their status certificates, which speaks to substantial changes to the, to the common elements, assets, or services of the condominium. So those are the regulated procedural steps that the corporation is required to follow when the condo itself is considering installation of an EV charging station on the condo's common elements at its expense. Beyond this, however, there are a number of other considerations that boards will want to think about, such as what is a suitable location or locations for the EV charging station? For instance, some condos have considered the installation of a communal EV charger in their visitor parking spaces. In some cases, if there is no other option, which will depend on your consultant expert's opinion, this could be a compromise. However, this is not a perfect solution as residents would be required to use the visitor parking spaces in order to charge their vehicles. But again, there are various other factors that may apply for a particular condo community when considering installation of EV chargers. Similarly, another consideration is whether existing infrastructure will permit installation of the EV chargers. Will upgrades be required to the common element? As well, whether electrical supply capacity might be an issue for the particular condominium building. Boards will also want to consider hiring an appropriate consultant to review the proposed installation and offer recommendations before proceeding. And another key consideration is, of course, funding for the EV charger installation and or any necessary upgrades for that installation. In some cases, upgrades to the common elements might be necessary to allow owners to install their own private EV chargers. So the board may consider whether a cost-sharing arrangement might be appropriate for those upgrade costs. Jim will be discussing a number of these considerations in further detail. The last item I will touch on is with respect to the bylaw that Nicole mentioned on EV chargers. Where owners are permitted to install their own private EV chargers, the regulations under the Condo Act, that's Regulation 4801, requires an agreement between the condo corporation and that owner to be registered on title to the owner's unit. As Nicole mentioned, the agreement must deal with such things as responsibility for cost of the EV charger, responsibility for repair, maintenance, and insurance of the EV charger, and responsibility for the cost of electricity consumed by that charger. These matters are detailed in Regulation 4801. In our view, this requirement can be satisfied by the condo passing a bylaw regarding EV charger installations. The bylaw can list all of the items, all of the terms and conditions for the individual agreements, and those terms and conditions can be incorporated by reference in a very simple separate document. The owner can be asked to sign a separate acknowledgement form confirming the fact that the owner is making the change and is bound by the terms of the bylaw in relation to the change. This form is held in the owner's unit file and is then attached to any status certificate issued for the particular unit, but the form itself is not 
registered on title, since the bylaw will be registered on title to all units. The bylaw can also reference any upgrades or changes to the common elements that will be made to facilitate the installation of EV chargers, and could also set out details of cost-sharing arrangements, if any, for such upgrades. Such a bylaw would only be necessary where owners are being permitted to install their own EV chargers. Where a condominium corporation is the one considering a communal charging station, a bylaw is not necessary. However, boards may want to consider passing a rule instead regarding proper use of the communal EV charger that they are proposing to install. Finally, the corporation will want to update the wording at paragraph 23 of its status certificate to reflect any agreements or acknowledgements under the bylaw that I mentioned entered into by owners who install EV chargers. And with that, I'll pass it back to Nancy. Thanks. Fantastic, Emily. Thank you. A lot of complicating factors to consider. Uh, definitely not just a one-stop shop fits all uh, type of approach. But on that note, we're going to turn it over to Jim and he's going to talk about even more special considerations that we need to be thinking about. Just before we do that, a quick note, the NRCAN uh, subsidy, I call it NRCAN, but uh, Cheryl put the right word in there. Uh, the subsidy that we were talking about earlier when Cheryl was presenting is in the chat. So later on, if you have a chance to take a look at that, just link to that and that subsidy will pop up for you uh, so for your information. So Jim, I'm going to turn it over to you on some additional special considerations. Thanks very much, Nancy. Good afternoon, everyone. Thanks so much for joining us. Cheryl and Nicole and Emily have reviewed what I'll call the specific legal requirements, notice requirements, owner application procedures, the need for expert input, the need for agreements with owners or a bylaw, the applicable timeframes. I'm going to deal with some other issues that we are encountering in relation to EV chargers. So I'm just going to list the issues. Issue number one, many properties have limits on the available power supply or capacity for EV chargers. In other words, the available capacity may only permit a certain number of EV chargers, and this may also depend upon the types of chargers to be permitted level one, level two, et cetera. This may also depend upon load sharing arrangements. Load sharing can sometimes stretch the capacity to a higher number of chargers, as I'm sure many of the listeners will know. Issue number two, it is usually possible to upgrade the capacity at a cost. Again, an upgrade might also include load sharing technology. Issue number three, in many cases, there may be two or more potential upgrade options, and the costs of those upgrades may vary. Issue number four, it may also be possible to consider the upgrades in phases, particularly because the demand for EV chargers is expected to increase over time. Issue number five, who should cover the cost of a given upgrade? Upgrade to the infrastructure. Should this be a condominium corporation expense shared by all owners, or should this cost be covered in whole or in part by the owners who install EV chargers or by the owners who receive the opportunity to install EV chargers? Issue number six, the demand will change over time. Also, the technology will change over time. So these issues will be a moving target for many condominium communities. 
from this list, you can see that these issues can often be very complex and very tricky to resolve in a particular condominium. So the question is, how does a condominium board manage all of these issues? My main message is that the answer can vary from condominium to condominium. In my view, there is no one answer, no one principle or rule that will tell the board precisely what to do. But here are some key principles that I think condominium boards should be thinking about when dealing with EV chargers. Number one, first and foremost, make sure that you gain a full understanding of the technical issues that apply to your condominium. And this was mentioned by previous speakers. So consult with an expert and obtain a report that tells you about your current capacity for EV chargers, about potential upgrades and future upgrades to increase the capacity, the costs, the types of EV chargers that can be accommodated, etc. In most cases, you will need this sort of report anyway in order to respond properly to EV charger applications from owners, and I, I'm sure that most of our listeners are doing this already. In summary, make sure you become familiar with the technical, you know, the electrical infrastructure alternatives at your property. Next, come up with a plan or an approach in relation to EV chargers that you feel is fair for your entire community, for owners who install EV chargers and for those who don't. One thing I want to stress is this. At first instance, it's up to the board acting reasonably to decide what is fair. And there may be more than one option on the fairness spectrum. Again, it's up to the board to give reasoned consideration to the options and to decide what is best for your particular community and your particular circumstances. And again, there isn't necessarily one acceptable answer in each case. For corporation expenses, expenses to be incurred by the condominium corporation for upgrades or, or for uh, a communal charger system, you may also need to involve the owners in the decision as described by Emily. But again, the board leads the way in terms of determining what is fair in your case, particularly when it com comes to cost sharing, who covers the costs. So again, become informed, and then make decisions that you feel are fair based upon the information that you have about the electricity capacity of your condominium, the possible upgrades, the costs, and the needs and anticipated needs of your community in terms of EV chargers. Now, we can help with the legal procedures, but it's really up to the board in most cases to decide what is fair. Now, with that said, here are some additional principles that I think will usually apply in most cases. First, upgrades and other expenses that benefit only some owners, owners who wish to install EV chargers, or owners who wish to have a future opportunity to install an EV charger, I think those costs should generally be paid by those owners. On the other hand, upgrades and other expenses that benefit the entire community or that fulfill the corporation's legal obligations, for instance, the legal obligation for an expert report, those should generally be paid by the corporation. In most cases, your plan should treat all owners as equally as possible. 
Now, what I mean by that is that owners who want an EV charger opportunity should have an equal chance to obtain one. And note that that could be different in the future than it is now. So you, you have to be contemplating that equality going forward. Therefore, if the demand may one day exceed the opportunities, it may be necessary to share the limited opportunities in some fair way. So this can get really complicated sometimes. If the costs may evolve over time, for instance, if future upgrades may be more costly, it might be necessary to make adjustments to each owner's cost contribution as time goes by. This again will depend upon the plan chosen by the board. I like the idea of covering off these issues, ideally with fairly general wording that isn't too narrow in scope, gives the board discretion in a bylaw that governs EV chargers. You heard Emily and others mention the bylaw installed, uh, 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 the bylaw to be passed by owners in relation to EV chargers. Let me conclude with a simple example. Suppose you have a 100 unit high rise with 80 parking units. 80 parked vehicles in the garage. Suppose 10 owners currently want to have an EV charger. Suppose upgrades can be made at a cost of $200,000 that will allow for 30 EV chargers, but it appears that further upgrades can be made at a cost of $1 million to allow for 20 additional EV chargers for a total of 50 if needed. In this sort of case, the board will need to carefully consider the options and come up with an arrangement that is fair, particularly in terms of cost sharing and how the opportunities for EV chargers are to be shared. And I think what is fair could vary from situation to situation and from board to board. I don't think that there would necessarily be only one fair approach in a given situation. I think that there might be two or more fair options that could be chosen by the board. Now, again, you may need to go to your owners with the 60-day notice or then the 60-day notice with an opportunity to requisition a meeting, depending on the costs. But still, it's the board, in my view, that leads the way on, on these issues. And again, I think it's important to spell out these issues, to mention them, either in a bylaw or in the various agreements with the owners. The beauty of the bylaw approach is that by, by passing the bylaw, you will have met all of the requirements for involvement of the owners in the process as well. So uh, the bylaw also satisfies that requirement and the requirement for individual agreements with owners who have EV chargers. Um, these issues will also need to be mentioned in the status certificates. Emily mentioned that. But if they're in a bylaw, that should also deal with this concern because the bylaws are, of course, attached to all status certificates. In most cases, I think the key will be to keep the wording general or as general as you can. In other words, I think it's often best to say that the board will decide these issues and will make the necessary adjustments fairly, and hopefully the owners would ag will agree with that sort of wording in the bylaw. Then it will be up to the board to consider the specific circumstances now and in the future and come up with a fair approach that makes sense for the particular community and that the board feels is fair for all owners. 
there you go, Nance. Those are my comments. Fantastic, Jim. And I think you you hit the nail on the head with the very last statement that you were making. Every community is going to be different. Some communities are going to be able to get subsidies because they have enough people on board to fit the requirements of a subsidy. Other communities are not going to be able to get subsidies, whether it's because they're too small or because they don't have enough owners willing to commit. Uh, you may or may not have existing infrastructure that works. You may have to upgrade your infrastructure. All sorts of different considerations you have to be thinking about. And you have to look at it on a case-by-case -case basis. Jim, something to add? Totally agree. I just I was just wanting to make sure that you saw me nodding, that I agree with what you're saying, Nan. <laughs> Fantastic. Thanks. All right. So, folks, remember, it's again, it's a case-by-case -case basis. No one-stop shop fits all, unfortunately. We're going to wrap it up then for our EV session today. There was a lot of information shared today. And so as, as many of you will already know, what we do is we turn these sessions into podcasts where we can. And this is one of the sessions we are going to turn into a podcast because there's just so much information out there. So stay tuned. In a couple of weeks, you'll be able to find this podcast. It's on Apple and uh, iTunes and all the Podbean, et cetera, all the various podcast uh, locations. You can find it as a podcast. We also also recently released our podcast from November, Acting and Reacting Reasonably uh, in relation to disputes and uh, various other issues in the condominium complex. So go ahead and check out our uh, recently uploaded podcast and stay tuned for this one coming up soon. In June, we'll have our standard Q&A session. But between now and June, we still have a couple more months to have a few more condo crunches. So we look forward to seeing you at the next one and stay tuned for some e-blasts on what the subject will be. Take care, everybody. Stay safe. Stay out of that freezing rain and have a great weekend starting tomorrow. Be safe. Be well. Thank you for listening to this episode. You can subscribe to us on your favorite podcast app. Condopedia is brought to you by Davidson Hu Allen, a boutique condominium law firm servicing Eastern Ontario. You can find more about our firm on Facebook, Twitter, and LinkedIn, or on our website at davidsoncondolaw.ca. This podcast is for information purposes only and is not intended to provide legal opinion or advice, which cannot be given without knowing the facts of a specific situation. Use of this podcast does not establish a solicitor and client relationship. The intro and outro music is provided by Purple Planet. You can find them at purple-planet.com.